like a fetish club for your ears. Grab a hot drink and turn down the lights. Coming across the airwaves and into bedrooms everywhere, BDSM United is bringing you non-violent, consensual, kink education. This isn't for the kiddos or for the cookie-cutter conservative vanilla prunes. We'll be talking bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, sadomasochism, and more today on this BDSM United podcast. Humanity loves its suffering. Tragedy is often the element added to a piece of film or literature that makes it interesting. And BDSM, it's no different. The elements of consensual suffering within our erotic play scenes and a lot of interesting kinky flavor to what would otherwise be a simple, sweet vanilla. I'm Primal Piggy. You can find me on Facebook at The Primal Piggy. You can also find me on Whips, Chains, and Duct Tape on Facebook at WCDTBDSM. You're listening to the Unite, uh, the BDSM United podcast uh, in our series called BDSM Summer School. Uh, and uh, today we're looking a little more at sadism and masochism uh, because we've been looking at the letters in the BDSM acronym we did the B for bondage, the D for discipline, and now we're on the S and the M for sadism and masochism. In the 1963 book Sadism by Dr. Edward Podosky, we're given the beginnings of a working definition of the term as it relates to BDSM. Sadism Quoting here, sadism is a sexual aberration in which pleasure and sexual gratification is obtained by either spanking, whipping, torturing, paddling, or otherwise inflicting painful cruelties upon the sexual partner. The word sadism is taken from the name of Marquise de Sade, a French writer who wrote lavish accounts about the delights of inflicting cruelties upon his sexual partners. Peter Tupper, in his history about S&M within popular culture called A Lover's Pinch, adds a little bit better to the definition. He says sadism and masochism were originally like homosexuality. They were medical terms that designated aberrant sexual behaviors exhibited by individuals. Some fetishes are so common that they have effectively become normative. For instance, high-heeled shoes. Other fetishes, such as corsets or smoking, were once nearly universal in common life and are now becoming more and more rare. For 19th century European women, uh, corsets were everyday wear, but now they're almost solely worn as costume. Only a few generations ago, smoking was uh, a regular habit amongst most people, but it's become increasingly rare in North America. He goes on to explain how our scenes are seen as erotic play. Sadomasochism and fetishism, along with homosexuality, became visible in the late 19th century because certain people were being aroused by things that did not fit the standard definition of quote-unquote normal sex. 
heterosexual coitus leading to conception. Tupper nails it when he describes the many difficulties we face in trying to piece together the history of S&M. Peter Tupper says shame, oppression, censorship, neglect, and exaggeration all play roles in trying to tell that history. The true history of consensual... uh, The true history of consensual sadomasochism quoting Tupper's book here, is a story of misfits, hustlers, and visionaries, dreams and nightmares, and the strange vicissitudes of human nature, transforming pain and hatred into pleasure and love. To understand it requires the human ability to accept and embrace irony and paradox. The connection between the self-flagellating Christians of the first century in the 21st century bondage burlesque performers is long and winding, but it's there. So the puzzle of our old guard history isn't really out of character for the dilemma everyone faces when trying to figure out where we come from and how we got the things our scene has. So who are our sadists? Um, what does modern sadism even look like? For that, we turn to Dr. Robert Rubel, who classifies modern sadists into a few useful categories. Class 1. Those who are bothered by their sadistic fantasies but don't act on them. Class 2. Those who act on their sadistic sexual urges with consenting partners who willingly suffer pain, and or humiliation. Class three, sadists who act on their sadistic sexual urges with non-consenting victims, but do not seriously injure or kill them. In most places, this can lead to legal charges of sexual battery. Class four, sexual sadists who not only act on their sadistic sexual urges with non-consenting victims, but also seriously injure or kill them. Now, class three and class four are outside of the scope of BDSM altogether because they do not involve consent, and consent is a hallmark of BDSM. For something to be considered BDSM, it must be consensual. Uh, So class three and class four sexual sadists are loosely grouped by psychologists as sexual aggressors. Sadists within the BDSM world, they fall into classes one and two. Um, It's either someone who is a sadist uh, but does not act on it, but more often than not, it is somebody who is a class two. Those who act on their sadistic urges or their sadistic sexual urges with consenting partners who willingly suffer pain or humiliation. The act of willingly suffering pain or humiliation is the role of the masochist. So the most concise and accurate definition of a sadist is a person in the context of consensual BDSM who receives erotic pleasure from giving others strong sensations that may temporarily include moderate to severe pain or suffering. 
And the most concise, therefore, and accurate definition of a masochist is a person in the context of BDSM who receives erotic pleasures from receiving strong sensations that may temporarily include moderate to severe pain or suffering. So within BDSM, to clear everything up, sadists are those who enjoy giving pleasurable pain. Those who are masochists are those who enjoy receiving pleasurable pain. Uh, let's look a little bit about what it means to be pleasurable pain. Pain can generally be sorted into a few categories. Uh, number one, pain to achieve an altered state by a brain chemistry in which one can connect with the universe or do some kind of uh, uh, directing their energy. Uh, in uh, the, let's see, where am I at here? Uh, number two is a pain to create energy for the top to work with. Uh, when this is, uh, when the body's in pain, it gives off a lot of energy and, and it's accessible by the top, uh, who is, uh, and then the bottom becomes like a tool in their hands. Number three is pain to bring people back in touch with their bodies. This is especially a good uh, technique for those who go into subspace or those that have trouble reconnecting with, uh, with their physical bodies. It's also good for somebody who is has experienced past trauma or triggering and they bring in the pain brings them back into control or receiving pain. Uh, they get to control the scene, um, not through controlling the top, but controlling uh, uh, the types of pain that they receive, being able to consensually receive pain. Um, number four, pain as a sacrifice. Um, number five, pain as a strength ordeal to build courage and self-worth by enduring agonizing things. Number six, pain as an emotional catharsis in order to tap into deep negative feelings and expunge them. In this case, the pain is used as a trigger to unearth issues that need to be brought out into the light for healing. And number seven, lastly, pain as a way to please a partner who is a sadist. And so we see that pleasurable pain can come from a lot of different motivations. It can come from a lot of different places, and it can have a lot of different uses. But the difference between, uh, between pain being pleasurable and not, we often call the, that the difference between good pain and bad pain. Uh, the type of pain that is good pain is done within the motto of rack, within risk-aware consensual kink. Risk-aware being that it is done safely. It's not done to injure or abuse. Uh, to be done safely means it's done in the right way to the right body parts, using the right techniques and the right tools. The types of tools that uh, someone consensually uh, wants or needs or desires. Some people like thuddy pain, like more of a blunt pain. And some people like stingy, sharp pain, uh, somewhat 
of a more isolated pain, uh, similar to like if you took a rubber band and popped it against your skin. Uh, a stingy pain can also be brought on by um, electrosex or electricity. It doesn't have to always be, pain doesn't always have to be done with impact. Uh, sometimes it can be done through other means. And so pleasurable pain is uh, risk-aware. It's consensual. It's the type of pain. It's with, done within our boundaries and within our own limits. So it's consensual. And then it's kink. It's pleasurable. It's something that everyone wants. It's something that, uh, that, um, that accomplishes the purpose by which we uh, get into the scene for the first place. Uh, generally, that's to have fun. Pleasure is generally fun. Whether we do it for ourselves or to please our partner, uh, and sometimes that would be the difference between uh, wanting to do it for ourselves uh, or wanting to uh, be somewhat submissive and do it for our partner. Um, pleasurable pain is fun. So risk-aware consensual kink applies uh, to the role of what, what separates uh, pleasurable pain from abusive, uh, bad, or negative injury, uh, pain that causes injury and harm to the body. I am Primal Piggy. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at The Primal Piggy, all one word. You can also find us at Whips, Chains, and Duct Tape uh, at WCDT BDSM. You can find us on the web at www.bdsmunited.com. And uh, if you're listening today on your favorite platform, we encourage you to leave a review. Um, leave uh, something that says what you like about our podcast or maybe something that you dislike about our podcast and that we might be able to listen to it and hear it and, and if possible, make any necessary changes. Well, thank you for listening today as we wrap up our BDSM summer school series and as summer itself, the season, comes to a close at the time of recording this. All right. Thank you for listening today. Before you go, head on over and visit our friend Nookie at datingkinky.com. She's been a longtime supporter and friend of Whips, Chains, and Duct Tape, and she's built a very inclusive service that is Dating Kinky. Built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla, and it's free. But also check out a Plus membership. It gives you access to nine books, three online classes, and over 250 webinar replays. That's nearly 400 hours of kinky education. Plus membership is an amazing deal. You also get access to amazing features like voice and video chat. That's datingkinky.com.